0: Hello and welcome to episode number 196 of Smart Podcast, Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today is Sarah Morgan. I have to apologize up front to Garlic Knitter. There's a whole lot of Sarahs in this podcast. Sarah, me, chats with Sarah Morgan about American weather, the Berlin Love Letter Convention, and the importance and delight of meeting romance readers, which, spoiler alert, is the best thing ever. We also discuss finding community in small towns and in big cities, and we explore Sarah Morgan's new series, From Manhattan with Love. This podcast is brought to you by Love Swept, publisher of Sugar Daddy, by best-selling author Sawyer Bennett. Vengeance is sweet, but seduction is to die for. Selah Halstead lost her innocence in a way that no 16-year-old should ever have to experience, and she spent years trying to forget that night, even though she wonders about the identities of the monsters who hurt her. Then a telltale tattoo flashes across her TV screen and she identifies the ink as belonging to Jonathan Townsend, the millionaire founder of the Sugar Bowl, a website that matches rich older men with impressionable young women. Obsessed with revenge, Sela infiltrates Townsend's world only to come face-to-face with a tantalizing complication. Beckett North, his charismatic business partner. As the tech mastermind behind the sugar bowl, Beck always gets what he wants in business and in bed. But there's something about the naive Sila that sparks his hottest fantasies, because with her, it's not about just sex. He opens up to her in ways he never has with anyone else. So why does he get the feeling that she's hiding something? You can find Sugar Daddy by Sawyer Bennett wherever ebooks are sold. And I am currently back to recording the podcast with cats. I have two cats. We adopted two cats about <laughs> two months ago. Their their names are Orville and Wilbur, and they're orange tabbies, both of them, and they live under the futon of concealment, which is in my office, so that when they're under the futon, no one knows they're there and they can't be seen. Except that Orville has decided that while I record, it's the perfect time to go exploring, and of course Zeb, the smaller of my two dogs, is desperate to play with Orville. He thinks this is a great game. So of course I'm trying to record and grab the dog, At the same time, so I apologize, but I figured you might like to hear this exciting entertainment that's going on underneath my desk. Would you guys chill? Okay, back. I'm going to hold your collar. Back to the podcast. All right. This incredibly professional introduction is brought to you by my cat Orville and my dog Zeb. Wilbur, the other cat, has the sense to remain under the futon of concealment because he understands the importance of podcasts. Anyway, back to the intro where I'm going to be all professional now. This podcast transcript this month is sponsored by Everything Under the Heavens, book one of Silk and Song by Dana Stabenow. Joanna flees her homicidal stepmother in Kalmbalak, the storied city of Kublai Khan, and sets out on the Silk Road with her companions Joffrey and Shasha in search of her fabled grandfather, Marco Polo. You can find Everything Under the Heavens for free on Amazon, Kobo, and iTunes, and 99 cents on Barnes & Noble. Now, if you're a regular listener or a regular reader of the transcripts, you might have heard recently that I have set up a Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash smartbitches, and I've started doing the end-of-episode compliments to folks who have pledged their monthly support. If you're not sure what that is, I will tell you right now. If you wish to contribute, you can make a monthly pledge starting at $1 a month to help me reach goals like commissioning transcripts for the episodes that don't have them. You can see the rewards and the options at patreon.com slash smartbitches. And to everyone who has already backed the show, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are all made of awesome. The music, as always, is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. But as usual, you can also find Sassy Outwater at Sassy Outwater on Twitter. And if you tweet at her and say hi that you enjoy the music, I know it totally makes her day. As always, the books and television shows, places, and in this particular episode, conferences that we talk about, will all be listed in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. So if you're walking the dog or working out or lifting weights or cooking or cleaning or doing something, and you're like, I want to buy that book, fear not. You can check the show notes on the episode and buy all of the things that you would like. And if you buy through the site and we get a commission, thank you very, very much for doing that. And now, on with the Podcast.
1: Do you remember that RWA when we were in Atlanta at the signing? That was the worst thunderstorm I've ever seen. Do you remember that? And yes. They had these huge glass windows yep. and the whole
0: sky was like <laughs> Yes, and it turned the sky turns like like it dark green brown. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've never seen a storm like it. Oh, it was we, amazing. Th- we this is America. We do things I know. big here.
1: You do? <laughs> well, I asked somebody last weekend if they knew what a cloudburst was, and they said, oh, yes, we know what oh, that is. Oh <laughs> yeah. Thought, you do have some serious weather, don't you? Oh,
0: yeah. Our weather does not mess around. How was the signing
1: in Maryland? Did it go well? I was free. but uh, Yeah, it was fine. But I was at the um, the Washington Romance Writers I re- invited me to their retreat. Oh, nice. So I know. It was lovely. It's so, like a so big did... pajama party for authors, yeah, isn't exactly. it? exactly. And I did a keynote and a couple of workshops and Sarah McLean was there and yeah we had a it was really nice and you didn't get snowed in this time no but honestly it's ever so embarrassing the weekend before that I was in Berlin for the love letter convention oh I want to
0: hear about it
1: it's a lovely it's a lovely thing anyway before I turn up it's 80 degrees everyone's in t-shirts the sun's shining yeah I turn up and it's snowing and I'm not exaggerating I wish I was exaggerating it was (laughs) awful the first night I wore and I didn't really go dressed for that because the weather's all over the place So I had to wear everything I owned, literally everything (laughs) under everything. (laughs) Seriously, seriously, and everyone was saying, "What have you done to the weather?" Because it was summer, and then I come back. I only had a two-day turnaround, and then I'm off to Washington. And I'm not kidding; it was. Uh, again it went from being spring well I've got a video of the rain and, and, and actually an author who lives in Washington who knew I was there at the time tweeted me and said is this you did, did you bring this I was like, yes I'm so sorry it's all said, your fault you? I can't remember what it's like to be warm <laughs> it's all your fault it's all oh, you I know it is me I took it wherever I went sorry oh
0: man <laughs> So, but it was fun. So tell me about the Love Letter Convention. What's it like? Is that a reader convention for, for romance fans in, it it's is, in Berlin? It is. And this is
1: their fifth year. This is the first time I've ever been. HarperCollins Germany took me because I sell a lot of books in Germany. And I'm about to have a book out in Germany. So they took me. But it was really great. So it's about 800. I mean, it's nothing like RT. Oh, of course. Um, it's still quite big. I mean, it was 800 readers. Wow. Um, I know. And it's really great because it's they, ha- they have it on in the um, – German language school right and so everybody's mingling together the whole time nice. so the authors are all there so you're not like you don't go back to your room and hide because the readers have paid uh to see you you know and to meet so you're there the whole time oh God! Oh, yeah of course they thought it was going to be lovely and sunny so the first thing was a meet and greet in the garden
0: of course yes yeah.
1: And it's freezing. And I'm standing there in my light summer jacket. And fortunately, Flo, you know, my Flo, my editor, Flo. Fortunately, Flo was there and she was saying, oh, I bought fingerless gloves. I thought, really? (laughs) Who carries fingerless gloves in their bag? How much do I love her? If I didn't already love her, she is (laughs) officially... (laughs) the best yeah so yes it was great but no it was great and so they did a mixture of um meet and greet and signings and I did about three workshops but for readers you know with and people like Michelle Willingham you know Michelle Willingham yes I do yeah she was there and Terry Brisbane I know Michelle actually but I didn't know Terry and and Annie West who's a presents author from Australia Mm -hmm. so we had a really nice bunch and yeah it was great and they were really friendly the readers were really great
0: was that, what were your what were your panels on? What, what kind of workshops did you do? So
1: we did one. Flo, Annie, and I did one on the Alpha Hero, but obviously for readers, not for not for um writers. Not so how to we, write them,
0: but no, to,
1: exactly. And it was it was fun doing it that way. We'd never done it that way, so we all talked about a book with an Alpha Hero that we love. Not our, well, not just our own, but other people's books. We all picked one, and then the audience picked their favourites, and that was quite interesting because, of course, you know which books travel and which books have some people never heard of. Right. Um, One thing that I did find interesting was that obviously lots of the German readers read in English because they're often bilingual and they often don't like the German translations because the translations are so poor. And that was quite interesting.
0: So they read Uh, in English.
1: Yeah, they do. Not mine. I think I must have a very good translator. I think I'm lucky. But a lot of the time they say translations are poor. So they read in English. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting actually. Hmm. But it was great. They were really enthusiastic. I look, I signed 300 books on the last book signing, and they queued in that freezing weather. I couldn't believe they had to queue, you know, for hours and hours, and oh, I thought they'd all have frostbite. They were so enthusiastic.
0: Does it so ever good. get old to have a line of people who are standing there ready to to, to, to meet you? Does it ever get oh, old well, to have I think a line? most
1: there to meet Nalini. She was there too. Nalini was there. I think i are most <laughs> there to meet Nalini. I, I've decided my role in life is to mop up readers who are queuing for other authors. <laughs>
0: That's a perfectly <laughs> adequate thing. I mean, I've met a lot of readers because I was seated next to somebody who was awesomely cool. Exactly. Exactly. That's my
1: role in life. But no, of course, it's always fantastic. I mean, the, the readers are the best part, aren't they, really? I think. Um, Oh, always when you're chatting on Facebook or whatever it's, it's the readers that are the fun it must be the same for you with the blog when readers are interacting with you that's the fun bit isn't
0: it oh that's definitely the, fu- the fun part especially because you know romance readers take so much crap from people and there's so much sort of casual shame and oh those they're all the same and they're so dumb and why do you read that and oh I would never read a book like that so when you have someone who already speaks that language who's genuinely like I'm super nosy because I totally want to know what you're reading. I'm completely nosy. I'm going to be all up in your business. So when you have a reader who wants to talk to you and you just be like, what are you reading? All of a sudden you've got like five hours of conversation and it's really, really fun. It's also really fun to like being able to tell you. Yes, absolutely. And you know, to have someone take you seriously about what you're reading is nice and it works both ways. Yay! Mm. The other thing that's nice is the number of people who will come up to me and say, oh my gosh, your, your website gave me the best book to read. I found the best book and that's just the best
1: feeling. Yeah, it oh my is. Gosh.
0: Good recommendation. Feeling is the best. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, but you, you, you must find that quite a lot with your community that that you've got people who share similar tastes, or are you? Do you find that they're really diverse and that you have an enormous tranche who you sort of can't please because they all like different things?
0: No. Um, the the good thing is because I have my tastes, there are people who know what I like, mm. and it's either my taste lines up with yours, or it's either. And I still get email that says this exactly. I love everything you hate. Keep up the right. work.
1: Yeah. So that in itself is a recommendation. Yeah. Like, oh,
0: Sarah liked it. I'm not going to like that. But I also have, you know, Elise likes romantic suspense, which I don't like. And, um, you know, Carrie reads a lot of science fiction and fantasy, which I don't have as much familiarity with. So the more writers I have doing different things, the better it is for people to find things they want to read. So it's fun. But yes, readers, always the best part. Yeah. Romance readers great. are the best people.
1: Yeah. And they were great. The German romance readers were great. So welcoming, such fun. So it was great. Yeah. I, I I hope we do it again.
0: That sounds like a really, really fun conference. It
1: was. And it was only, you know, it's only an hour and a half away for me. So it's it's not sort of halfway around the world. Um, not completely exhausting, but it was, yeah. it was great fun. Yeah. And it's what,
0: like a one hour time difference. So you're not going to get home yes. and be like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. Yeah.
1: I mean, it would be nice to do it when it's not feeling like the North Pole, but...
0: <laughs> well, you know, that means it just means you have to go back. <laughs> well, next time I'll know, pack thermals. Yes, always have some <laughs> long underwear just stashed in the corner. So let's start talking about your new book. Yes, new series. New, new series, You're Leaving Small Towns and Going to the Big City.
1: I am. Well, I'm turning it on its head. I decided, yes, yeah, so these three girls, because I've written six single titles that were in small towns. Right. And I love that. I mean, I did a lot of that with my medical romance as well. It was pretty much the same, you right. know, small town contemporary and it's fun and it gives you the chance to explore lots of, um, you know, themes that are connected with returning home. Right. But I quite wanted to flip that really. So this time I've done three girls from a small town who actually don't want to live in the small town. So they're in the big city. Yeah, and it's fun. So they are actually from, because my Puffin Island series is just finished. Right. um, And these three girls are actually from Puffin Island because I wanted that loose link. But instead of being uh, the three girls who have stayed there because they want the small island, they've left and they've gone to New York. So I like that. Yeah. That's very cool. Flipping it on the head and we've got a bit of urban, really. It's time for city for me. And I'm really enjoying it.
0: So I know you've written a lot of Harlequin Presents that are set in London.
1: yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, and my um Cosmo Red Hot Reads, they were set in London as well, yeah.
0: So it's not like you haven't written in big cities before, but this is the first you've written in New York, right?
1: It is, and you know, I haven't done that many in cities, because a lot of my presents were, you know, sort of Italy, and Sicily, and Greece, and you know, we like a bit of ocean, and Mediterranean blue sky, and... Um, But I have. You're right. I have done a few in London. But this is the first one I've done in New York. Yeah. And the thing about New York as well is it's a it's a global aspirational destination, I think. And my books do you know, I was in the love letter convention in Berlin, because my books sell really well in Germany and France and Italy. And New York is somewhere everybody loves and wants to go, you know, it's on everybody's wish list, really.
0: I'm always sort of amazed by that. Like, I can't wait to go to New York. And you know, I used to work there. And I used to I live, you live nearby. And I would go all the time. And I'd kind of be like, why?
1: Okay. It's different when you live there. It's, it's very different. different.
0: It's very, very different.
1: And you're not doing the tourist things and the enjoyable things that you you're slogging in with the traffic and the people aren't yes, you yes yes.
0: commuting is never as much fun as vacation no, it ever. truly
1: isn't it truly isn't and you know that was the funny thing before um flo and i came back from the love letter convention in berlin harper collins said to us oh, we feel so guilty we've worked you so hard and you haven't even seen berlin so on your way to the airport we're going to get the car to pick you up an hour early and you are going to do a whistle top store of berlin. Uh, whistle oh, god try saying that Whistle stop tour of Berlin. So they picked us up early and we went all around Berlin and it was amazing. And I said to Flo, it's Monday morning. It's 10 o'clock. Can you imagine doing this in London? You would get in a car, and I'm not kidding, you would go half an inch, if you're lucky, in an hour. You certainly wouldn't be able to drive around all the tourist spots in an hour. You'd just be stuck in a traffic jam for the entire time. London's a nightmare. But Berlin, we were driving round and round everywhere. We, we literally did go everywhere in the hour. But Flo <laughs> and I were just trying to imagine. And the same in New York. You wouldn't be able to drive around all the sites Oh, no, you in don't the drive. Not at 10. On a Monday you take morning. The subway, yeah.
0: Or you get on one of the tourist bus, but you expect yeah. that you're going to be chilling down yeah. streets very soon slowly
1: you'd be stuck in traffic wouldn't you the whole time so it's amazing but yeah so this you know it's different when you're a tourist isn't it?
0: it's very different so tell me about your books what's the first one it's because it's already out in the UK it is yeah coming out end of May in the US
1: that's right it is out in the UK came out in March um and the novella is out I, I wrote a short novella which was great fun I loved I loved that book. Very fairy tale, short novella. So these three girls basically work for um, an events company and they lose their jobs very early in the series. That's not a spoiler because that's right. what it's about. Um, that's, you know, they set up their own business. But this the novella is just before they lose their jobs. So you do very briefly get a glimpse of them in the job that they're in before right. they lose it. And I was thinking the other night, you know, what – what are these? What are these books about, really? Because they're not. I'm not very good at knowing what my book's about till I've written it at the end, and then I realise what it's about. And I thought, you know, is it about people moving from small town? And I thought, no, actually, it's about risk. It's about taking risk. And I think these days, there's no such thing as a safe job, is there? it? Must be the same for you in the states. You know, the day where you can go into a job at 21 and you think you've got a job for life are so long gone,
0: aren't oh, they? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. That just doesn't exist. I don't think in any profession now.
0: It's. I think it's very rare. Or you find people who have been in the same profession but have made a move to a different thing. So like if you were in a trade, like you were an electrician or you were a plumber, you make a move and now you work for the state inspection bureau or you are a home inspector. You move into different things as business dries up. And if you're in yeah. like a like a professional job within a corporation, it's always... Move up, move left, move right. There's yeah. always this sort of push to to do something else, or yeah. things change and you lose your job altogether with no warning.
1: Well, exactly, and that's what happens to my heroines, and I think that that does happen to people oh, a lot. all too frequently, sadly. And I think it's very scary. And and what they do is that I think the me- the message, if there's a message, is about taking risk, and it's different in all the books. So the first one, it is about setting up your own business. That's her risk, and the second one is um frankie her risk is slightly different and the third one the risks is actually the hero who's taking the risk but i think that's what it's about it's about going you know go for it don't hold yourself back but yeah they were great fun they were great fun to write all three of them and all three quite different and in fact in the second book she does go back to her small town roots for a short visit which she doesn't want to do It's, so she goes back to Puffin Island for the first time.
0: There are a lot, I think it's, It's. I think there's a lot of people who are like, I really don't want to go back to my small town where mm. I came from because there's nothing for me there.
1: Absolutely. Or there, or, or there are things there that you absolutely don't want to ever confront
0: again or deal with ever. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Where your worst embarrassment took place or.
0: <laughs> so it's painful. So tell me it about is. the first book.
1: So the first book um, is out with you at the end of May and It's Paige's story. She's really the business brain. So she's the one that sets up um, the business. She had a congenital heart problem when she was little. So she's been really overprotected. So it's about kind of throwing off people's urge to protect her all the time. And that includes the hero.
0: Is there always a medical element in your book? Well, sometimes like... because I like that. I can't help it. It's the I nurse. Know. In... <laughs> You're a former nurse, and you wrote a lot I of Harlequin Medical, so I there's did. always a little medical thing. And oh, I miss them. There
1: is sometimes. There are no doctors.
0: Are there any doctors? No.
1: There are no doctors in this series. I know. I just had to- Wait, wait. Just do I have doctors? Double... I forgot. I know. I just had oh, to double-check. crap. Double there check. is one. <laughs> just, just had to double-check. There are no doctors in this series, but yes, yeah, she did have- um. A heart condition. I know because I'm fascinated by by medical things. So I slide them in, and they make interesting conflict. You know,
0: because you were you were an emergency nurse.
1: I was, yeah, I was. I worked in the ER, which means I'm really good with blood and broken bones, and exceptionally good with very drunk people. <laughs>
0: It is just a good thing that you're a romance writer
1: And you go to a lot of conferences I know, because I'm always there I am the person you want When you've had one too many margaritas (laughs) As long as I'm not the one that's had One too
0: many margaritas So you were an ER nurse You're good with puke, you're good with blood You're good with nastiness And there's always a little medical element in your book Not always, but often it
1: creeps in in. See, I didn't even think of that until you mentioned that I just wrote the story, but you're right
0: Do you still write medicals for Harlequin? Do they still publish them?
1: They do still publish them. I don't write them. Um, I'm often tempted to sneak in a bit of medical here and then to my single titles, which I've obviously managed in this one. No, to be fair, it's not very much. It's backstory, really just about her being overprotected. Really. I do, I
0: have to say, I really do like your medicals. Oh, well,
1: thank you. And I loved writing them. You know, I did. I loved writing them.
0: I like that because you were writing small town medicals with yes. doctors and obstetricians in Cornwall and yeah. doctors who were on ski slopes. And, yeah. yeah. So it was like adventure doctors.
1: Yeah, they were adventure doctors. Yeah, I wrote one on Everest. Yep. As
0: <laughs> yeah. you do.
1: Yeah, as you do. No, I do. I do. I did love that writing them. Yeah. I might write more medical, but probably not. In that format
0: so novel one Paige has a heart condition she's... she
1: had one she's, she's better now I mean she's she's doing okay right. yeah so and... it's shaking off that people's tendency to overprotect her and then she wants to take this massive risk and set up on her own because she thinks she doesn't let anybody else have control over her you know because when you don't see something like that coming when when you lose your job and you really do not see it coming and when you are actually doing a very good job and she knows she's the one that's brought in all the business You know, she realizes that actually they're the ones with the talent, so why not do it themselves? But that is a scary thing to do. Taking that is a really scary thing to do. Because then you are the one that's responsible, aren't you? I mean, you know, we have this, we work for ourselves. If we screw it up, we've screwed it up. We can't blame anyone else. No, it's all
0: you. (laughs) It's all us. And and then you know, and, and in our respective industries, we have to be aware of how things are changing and what trends are coming and what readers are looking for and what you know the the way in which people interact online changes you know hourly every 20 minutes yeah. maybe so finding your
1: readers is is it changes yeah it does always
0: so yeah it is very risky and scary to set up your own business but you're also taking a risk that you can be your own boss which has its own good parts and and difficult parts
1: yeah it does exactly yeah
0: My problem that I have found is that because I love what I do and I love my job so much, I just sort of sit down and, you know, pick up my phone and all of a sudden I'm talking on email and I'm looking at comments and I'm like, okay, you're not supposed to be working. I mean, I love what I do. So I just, work like whenever I yeah. whenever I don't catch myself but I have to be good about giving my mm. brain time away so that it can sort of you know reprocess and re-energize and think about other things for a while
1: yeah it leeches into everything doesn't it yep
0: and sometimes it's yeah. a good thing but sometimes it's like no you're tired you need to stop
1: mm. no I'm exactly the same exactly the same particularly when you're trying to write the book as well and if you have books out for example, tomorrow I've got a book out in Germany that's different to the book that's coming out in the States in three weeks and is different from the one that will be coming out in the UK in, in eight weeks. So I'm working on different promotions and proofing a book that will be coming out, you know, after that, at the same time as writing a book that's completely different. And then that's without <laughs> the social media. So there are days
0: when, well... Like, what book is it that I'm talking... I would have to give myself, like, a yes. cheat sheet. Like, what book am I talking about? Okay, it's this hero and this one. Oh, okay, okay, that book is the one I'm talking about today. And then tomorrow we're going to be doing this other book.
1: I know. I did once write a blog on entirely the wrong book because <laughs> I was two years behind. They, they were two years behind, you of know. Course. I was writing the summer book. I was writing the summer book. They were asking me to blog on the summer book. I was really busy. I blogged on the book that I was writing now, not the book from two years ago. But I did realize it just meant I had to write it again. Oh, no. Yes, sometimes one's head does spin.
0: Just a little. So with the new series, all of them are in New York.
1: They're all in New York. And they all live
0: in the same um,
1: apartment. They all live in a lovely brownstone in Brooklyn owned by The heroine, the first heroine's brother. Now, here's an interesting thing. I was determined to have quite a lot of green in the book. And now, obviously, there are loads of parks, but you know, you can't live your life in Central Park because they have to get on with their jobs. And I was researching and I didn't realize until I did the research for this book how many roof gardens there are in New York. And it's like a whole world up on the roofs. And then I spent hours and hours looking at um, all these garden designers who do nothing but roof terraces it was fascinating and there were some stunning roof terraces and which plants you can't have because obviously when you get a bad storm they're stripped of leaves and things like weight you know they have to think about which pots they can use because you can't be lugging great pots and you have to water them and yeah it's it's fascinating so it was a whole new I mean, obviously, I knew there were roof gardens, but I didn't really realize what an enormous part of New York life they are. Oh, yeah. So, And and um, a really good friend of mine who was living in Brooklyn had exactly this lifestyle that I've written about in that on a summer's evening, they used to go up to their roof tower It probably wasn't as beautiful as the one that I've designed in my book, but they had a roof and they used to go up there, hang a sheet and watch movies on the roof. Yep. And that's exactly the kind of thing that, you know, my heroines and my heroes doing and and it's yeah it's it's really fun but it was very interesting part of the research uh i spent hours and hours looking at beautiful roof terraces and obviously wanting to move to new york and have a lovely roof terrace
0: (laughs) (laughs) i remember looking at one at one i don't even remember where i saw it i must have been doing a deep dive of many hours on pinterest but someone did um a roof garden because the access is usually through the stairwell, and then the stairwell yes. sort of pops up into a little like, like yeah. a little cube on the roof, and then that's your door access they took that little cube access and built a a fake porch around it so you would exit and you would be on a porch with an awning and then out the front was the Mm -hmm. garden so if you didn't look behind you at the metal door you were you were sitting on a porch and you built this quiet little porch with a tiny little garden and little fence and it's it's like the a secret world the higher you go
1: yeah amazing it's really beautiful yeah. So that, I mean, that's, and that's what my second hero. So the first book is, is Older Brother's Best Friend. Oh, I love that. Sorry, older Brother's Best Friend. Anyway, Older Brother is a garden designer, particularly rooftops. So that's one of the things he does. So he did his own um, and they they share his brownstone. Right. So they all have an apartment, different, well, two of them share one apartment and then. Um, the others have another. Yeah. Yeah. The other one has, she's more of an introvert, my second heroine. Uh, I can in can to, Yeah. So she she has her own apartment. Yeah. So it's fun. It's really fun. I'm really excited about it.
0: So what are some of the differences that you've noticed between writing in a small town and writing in a city? Because you mentioned when we were talking about this, the, the idea of community and how community can mean very similar things and very different things when you're in a very small community versus in a very large city.
1: But you do still have community don't you it's just Absolutely. a different it's different you set it around you like with you know we're really friendly with our neighbors here you know so we have our own little community even mm. though we're in a in a big place we still have our own small community and i think that's what happens in all cities where you hope it does if you're very lucky you end up with your own small community don't you in mm. your own small space yep. Um, So New York may be an enormous place, but the bit that you're in feels small. Um, And that's what I've tried to do with these stories. So they're they're not so dissimilar to what I always write in that it's about friendship and obviously romance and community. But the community is more set in the local area rather than a whole island. Right, right, right. You know, the ski resort that I had, for example, with Snow Crystal. But I do think when you're writing, the setting does become another character. I mean, I think it does definitely. And I think
0: world building,
1: it is world building. Exactly. And I think some people think that for contemporary that that isn't the case that if you're not writing about, you know, dragons or wizards or whatever, you're not building a world. But of course, you are. And I get letters about, you know, where where is Snow Crystal? Can I go and stay in it? Um, and, and the same with Puffin Island. Where exactly is it? Can we go and see the puffins? And if you've done a good job, that's what you should be getting because people should like it so much that they, you know, they want to go there. And obviously with New York, um, for the first time, I'm dealing with a real place. Mm-hmm. So lots of what's in it is real. But mm-hmm. the actual community that I've created is, of course, fictitious, which right. which helps because you don't want people to you're bound to get somebody very familiar. It's like when I used to write medicals, I would never set it in a real hospital because somebody will say to you, oh, you've put x-ray to the left of radiology and, or whatever. You know. And you can't <laughs> do that no, because it's can't. bad for this you reason. Can't. It's much better to, to make it up. So although obviously New York is is there, their actual community obviously is, is fictitious. So I've left it very you know, broad about exactly where in Brooklyn they
0: are. Well, the um, other thing but... about small communities in the city is that if you move and you move like two blocks away, that's going to be a whole new dry cleaner mm-hmm. and a whole new Absolutely. takeout place. like when we we moved four hours from where we used to live. And I actually had a list of all of the restaurants that we used to like doing takeout from in Montclair so that I could find similar places here because you just want to recreate all the things that you like. Yeah, yeah but you need to recreate that community around you. Yeah, and once you figure out where those places are, you then you start to become a regular. Yeah, the places where you shop and the places where you eat and the people you see every day become your community by proximity. Yeah, yeah,
1: and the places—I mean, the places that they love—you know—they have places that they love to visit. For example, the High Line, which, by the way, you were the one that introduced me to the High Line. Do you remember the my very first trip to New York five or six years ago when we met? You said to me, "The place you need to go is the High Line."
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, it's wonderful.
1: It is. It's beautiful. And obviously that's somewhere that um, my hero, my gardening hero and my gardening heroine. Yeah, you don't say. So, I mean, it's so beautiful, isn't it? So, you know, they they have their favorite places in New York, but obviously they've got their local, their local places as well. But setting for me can often be, if a setting is good, it's often almost the reason to read the book, isn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. And then that's the reason why readers like series and readers like trilogies, because we want to go visit that world. We want to go revisit those people and that, and the, I always joke that Julia Quinn's London is like the safest London ever because yes. it's so populated with previous characters. Nothing's gonna happen to them. <laughs> like they can't die. Nothing's gonna go wrong. So if you are feeling stressed, just go into that world because it's even even with the you know book number twenty two, book number you gonna be fine. It doesn't matter if all of the previous characters are around you. You are all good. It's very safe. You can go visit. Know everyone's fine. No one. No one has any problems. No one going to die no one's going to get sick but even even with contemporary worlds there are contemporary worlds that i love to revisit there are i, mean, I happen to love traveling to other cities by reading books set in mm. those places mm. like i love laura Florin's series set in paris especially yes. um i think it's the cho- chocolate kiss is it the chocolate Kiss? yes the second one because the it takes place on, an, on a very small island community in the seine in the in in the middle of Paris, on this tiny little island in the river, there's a you know there's a chocolate shop, mm-hmm. and then if someone sets up a chocolate shop across the street, and it is on because that is not okay. But the the the, 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 the ability to travel to other places when you read a mm-hmm. book is the is because I really like to travel and it's expensive. Yeah, it's yeah exactly. Thing. I think that's also one of the reasons why presents is so popular because you're wow. going to go all over the world in this tiny yeah, book.
1: You've got this tiny bit of glamour, haven't you? Oh, yeah.
0: always. Yeah. always yes. No,
1: I'm exactly the same. I travel. I mean, I like Um, you – didn't you go to college down south? Now, I've I never did. been to Savannah and Charleston, but I've always – it's absolutely on my list. And I love reading um, people like Sarah Addison Allen, you know, getting that southern southern feel. And Mary Alice Munro with beaches. And I really, um, I really enjoy it for the same – do I mean Mary Alice Munro? Do I mean her? Yeah, probably.
0: There's a book you should read that I really love that is very Southern. It's called Charms for the Easy Life. Oh. And it's by Kay Gibbons. I ended up picking it up at my, at, at my college library. It, I went to a very, very small women's college and we had one shelf of fiction right when you walked Thanks. in. It was like four shelves of paperbacks. That's all there was. But they, um, Kay Gibbons' Charms for the Easy Life is about three generations of women in the South. And you might like it because they're healers, oh, I love it. Like, like they're yeah. sort of, it's a little bit of magical realism, but it's really, really beautiful. You would like it, especially if you like, like Southern, Southern stuff. I do. I know lots of Southern stuff. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to. Yeah, I know. I up. do.
1: I really do. That's like my holiday when it's raining in the UK.
0: You go to the, I, you go to the South.
1: Yeah, I do. I go to the South and I have, yeah, iced tea.
0: <laughs> <It's> sweet tea.
1: <laughs> sweet tea.
0: Sweet tea is important. Sweet tea. What's the other one? There's another we one. We
1: and sweet grass.
0: Yes. I didn't know you liked Southern. Uh, southern oh, yeah. Land. Oh, oh. Um, I, the good thing about going to a Southern women's college is that, you know, we didn't study a whole lot of dead guys. We, saw, we studied <laughs> a lot of dead ladies. Um, so I had whole courses about, you know, English literature and all we did was read Flannery O'Connor and Eudora Welty and all of these Southern women writers because... Well, no one was going to say no because we do what we wanted. So I have all these great books for my English classes, but I'm like, well, I never read any of the dead white guys. I read these other people. <laughs> Whoops. Flannery O'Connor will blow your mind too. She's right. she's much older in terms of what she wrote about, but she has these incredibly vivid, fantastical elements and she is unafraid to write about seriously internally ugly people. Mm. Yes, because you can't write about the South without dealing with you know racism. What's the next book in the series that you're that you're working on? Are you working on book three, or is it book uh, three done?
1: I just turned in book three, but and I'm doing proofs on it. So that that's um, that's the third one. So that's his risk really, rather than hers. Right. It's about this theme of risk. Yeah, and he's a I love this. He's a horror writer. Uh huh. His life's very dark. And the heroine that's with him is probably my sweetest. She would not. She's a, She's got elements of me in it. In that you wouldn't put me in front of a horror movie. You just wouldn't. And in fact, my boys, when when they say, "Oh, you're going to love this series, Mum," apart from there's a bit in episode two you're going to hate, and there's a bit in episode four you're going to hate, but we're gonna we're gonna screen that out for you. So so I watch these things with these boys who quite happily watch all of Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, no, and they no, they don't no. care you know how bloody it is. They're quite happy, but they have they are very well trained in what I will hate but they say (laughs) we think you'll love this series we think you'll love the writing but you won't like the bad bits so they cut it out my heroine's exactly like that so she finds herself with this horror writer anyway he's writing his book and she starts to rewrite bits of it because she's really horrified that it's so dark and she decides he should really have some happy bits in it (laughs) I had a lot of fun with that story
0: (laughs) so that's the one at the moment yeah that's Christmas
1: that's Miracle on Fifth Avenue
0: that's Miracle on Fifth Avenue
1: That will be December for you, October for us.
0: Oh, so they're not that far apart this
1: time. No, they're not. They're not actually. No, they're about six weeks. This one was further. The first one was further. The second one comes out in the UK mid-July and you get it at the end of August. It's only six weeks apart. Not that bad. No, and the second one actually is about the same. I think we it's out end of October with us and end of November with you.
0: Do readers get upset about that? Do you hear from readers like, why can't I get this yet?
1: a little bit when there's been a big delay they tend to be perfectly okay with six weeks what really floors readers and what's difficult for all of us is a change of title uh-huh. um, you know and obviously they can't have the same covers because different covers work in different markets oh, yes. and that's, that's true of you know all of them Italy Germany all of them
0: because we've talked um, about that your your yeah. your English covers in the UK are illustrated yeah illustrative they yeah, they they're are. they're they're not cartoons but they're drawings
1: yeah, they are exactly And here yeah.
0: in the U.S. you get photographs.
1: Yeah, that's right. And also in the U.K., um, the fiction all tends to be heroin-led. So that if you look at any, if you're looking at Sophie Kinsella, mm-hmm. um, any of the big names in the U.K., you'll see that there's a heroin on the cover. Um, it doesn't tend to be a couple, whereas the U.S. It's tends to It's a
0: couple. Be- oh, that's interesting. You're totally right, and I never noticed yeah. it. It's very heroin-centric. Even very in the- hero- yeah, you're mm. no, it was, oh my goodness, my, my brain is just like, oh, that's true. Like, yeah, no, it is true. Yeah, the Sophie Kinsella books, your yeah. books, um, yeah, even Jill Mansell's book. Oh, yeah, heroine, yeah, Yeah, the heroine is the center.
1: Always, a. you won't see a hero usually on the cover, always heroin centric.
0: So that's yeah. and that's part of why in in uh, in the UK well, market you I, use the term chick lit, whereas nobody uses that here. Or if they well, they no, do, and it's a nostalgia honest, I thing.
1: I don't think Jill Mansell would consider herself to be chick lit. No, so no she's I, not.
0: It's,
1: it's a pretty, it, it's a pretty derogatory term. I think wherever you use it, it totally is But all are whether it's romance or general fiction. You know, with women's fiction, it's always a heroine on the cover. But interestingly enough, Harlequin for my U.S. books this time have gone illustrative and the covers are really gorgeous. It's obviously an experiment, but it is, they've gone illustrative and they're really lovely. Oh,
0: nice. Have you seen
1: the three covers? And we've got all four covers.
0: Yes, I've seen the first two. I hadn't seen the other two. They're lovely. They're very pretty, aren't they? They're very and pretty. And all,
1: they're have all they all using this heart motif. So in the first one, it's stars. And in the second one, it's birds because it's the park. And in the third one, it's snowflakes. Lovely. So yeah, no, they are very pretty, yeah yeah so it's just it's title that people struggle with and that is confusing because then they'll write and in fact it confuses both ways so i'll have people saying oh but but we haven't got the third book here and i'll say yes you have but it's called this and then i'll have uk people saying oh but we haven't read that book and i'll say yes you have but it was called this so title title is the real confusion
0: i can barely keep straight the titles of books that i've actually read if i had to keep track of most of, <laughs> if I had to keep track of one book with multiple different titles, I would lose my mind. I don't know yeah. how you do it. I would, well, it I would be terrible be at it.
1: In fairness, Harlequin are really good about recognizing that that is a seriously big deal to ch- change a title. So they only do it if they absolutely think it won't work. But really, obviously, ideally, one hopes that we all come up with that right at the beginning, and we find a title that does
0: work. Right. That, and you um, and you pick yeah. a, a, or at least a theme that makes sense. Exactly. And this,
1: I mean, for the whole New York series, it's worked fine. It's, it's great. That's yeah, so, lovely. Yeah. So it's very exciting. I'm really loving it. I am loving setting books there because there is such scope, you know, to do, I mean, the sunset in Central Park, there's, it's very green. There's a lot of, you know, you don't have to be very city, but at the same time you have that extra scope to have a bit of edge. It gets a bit more edgy, I think, when it's city. It's fun.
0: Yes. And there's yeah. a lot more happening around you. Yes. Things are going to change rapidly. Yes.
1: And if you're going to be in, trapped in the lift in a tall building, that is less likely to happen in a very small town on a very small island. No, there might not even be a lift. Exactly. Sorry, elevator. We're I'm doing sorry, that Sorry, I know. Do you dad. Remember? I remember. My yes. dad. What do you do when yeah. I said, "Dad, I take make them take the stairs"? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Although I know, I think enough Americans are watching British uh, British yeah. import television that we've sort of getting, getting gotten used to it. I still don't understand why Harry Potter was changed from Philosopher's Stone to Sorcerer's Stone. It's not like it's that big of a change. I'd never got that one.
1: No, I, I, I have no idea either. I think sometimes they underestimate the readership as well, maybe. I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Maybe they did market research. but.
0: So when you hear from your readers, are there books that they email you about the most? Are there books that you still get the most mail about?
1: Yeah. Do you know, I do still get a lot of mail. I love that. I love that. Well, they all want to move to Snow Crystal. Yeah. They all want to go and stay in Vermont. I get mailed loads of puffin stuff and it's brilliant. Somebody mailed me the other day with um, a lovely, lovely video of baby puffin. Cause do you know what a baby puffin is called? It's a puffling. <laughs> I mean, I did not know does, that. That, does that word not just make your week better? Oh. Puffling puffling that's adorable Yeah, it is adorable and they're always so fluffy and lovely and this reader had sent me um you know a a clip uh, of the puffling in the nest and I get loads of puffing stuff and it's brilliant it's lovely so yeah they email me all the time and obviously the New York stuff is new but I'm getting a lot of stuff from the UK so I hope that it goes down well in the US as well yeah is there one book no I don't think so it's pretty even really
0: yeah mostly people want to want to go (laughs) to snow crystal in Vermont yes
1: yeah. And wh- and where is it? And do I have an address? And I say, if I did, I'd be there myself.
0: There are yeah. a couple resorts like that. It just depends. Like, for example, the place where we go in Vermont is very much a family resort. So there's not a lot of evening activity. There's certainly not horse-drawn snow carriages or anything like that. But there's a lot of ski instruction and snowboard instruction and um, cross-country skiing and snowshoeing, that kind of thing. But a a resort that has everything that you imagined, I have not found that place either. I would like to go as well.
1: Exactly. I mean I what I've done is it's a composite of lots of different yes. different places. Yes. Um yeah. I mean I think it would be pretty busy and booked out if it existed. <laughs> Hey, that's our next, next risk yes. when we get fed up with our day jobs we'll set up
0: <laughs> we'll see, find a patch of land in Vermont and we'll build snow crystal but, I, but I've but i worked in hospitality and it's very difficult and I can't no. say that I wish to do it again no, me too I know I actually
1: did that as well I did events and PR so I mean yeah, ooh, these girls it's, it's, I did the job that they end up being fired from and frankly I would have opened champagne at
0: times <laughs> for it to all be over <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've done, yes.
0: I've worked at the front desk oh. of a hotel and I've done events planning. And yes, that is entirely true. It is, isn't it? It's really hard work. Any, yeah. any job I think where you're facing the public is a really yeah. challenging but job.
1: Organizing, organizing events. It's just, and yeah. organizing
0: people. Oh my God. Yes, it is. It Most is. Most people barely organize, you know, can barely manage to organize their families because their families are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one last question for you. Go on. What are you reading or what books have you read that you've really enjoyed want to tell people about?
1: Lately, Well, you know, I'm really late to this, I'm embarrassed to say, but I've just started listening to audio books.
0: Oh, no, you're uh, not late. I, you're right on, on time. T-
1: oh, am I? I've never really done it before. And then I had some stuff on in January where it made it easier for me to listen. So I started it and I discovered for a start, there's two things. When you normally, when you choose a book, you're really just thinking about the author. But when you choose an audio book, you then have to think about the narrator, don't you? You have to listen to a sample because if you can't stand the person's voice, then you cannot listen to 12 and a half hours of this person narrating.
0: No, No, absolutely. So I've just, I've started to think about whether or not you can listen to them, read you a sex scene. I've had that problem where I had, you know, the narrator was fine. And then we got to the sex scene. I was like, no, 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 I cannot listen forward, forward, forward. Okay, back to the plot. Like, I just couldn't handle that (laughs) voice reading me the sexy bits. It just did not work. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to listen to the sample. I completely agree. Yes,
1: you do. You do. So the first one I got was a Jane Ann Krentz um, Secret Sisters. Ooh. And I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it. Do you know, that was something else we were talking. I I was talking um, last weekend when I was at the Washington Romance Writers about the difference between UK and US. And, covers were obviously one of the things we talked about but I also said we don't really have romantic suspense in the way that you have romantic suspense oh we're and I killing
0: was, people all over the place I know
1: well we kill people but we don't have that we we don't have the romance in it we just get straight down to the killing yes the cheering it up you don't with bother with it
0: it's all about that <laughs> stiff upper lip you have a really sharp yeah. knife boom job is done so, let's go home we have tea. plenty
1: of of the romantic suspense, the well, we have plenty of no, not romantic bit, we have plenty of the suspense, we have what we call griplet, do you call it you know gripping grip lit. literature, griplet, yeah, we have the girl on the train and all that sort of thing, but that's right. not that's not the same thing no, and, and romantic suspense as a genre doesn't really exist here, um well, I can't think of anybody. Well, we certainly don't call it that anyway. Right. But anyway, I enjoyed the Jane Ann credits. And then I downloaded, completely different, I, I downloaded Wild because I wanted to listen to, um, I wanted to hear more about the Pacific Crest Trail, actually. Oh. Yeah. And that was quite an interesting one. I didn't see the movie. Did you watch the movie? No, I have not. No. no. Well, I'm, I like, um, I quite enjoy those outdoor things. I like reading, you know, books about mountaineering and Everest. And I just thought, I am never going to hike the PCT and therefore I would like to hike it vicariously and so I will listen to Wild which I did.
0: My sister-in-law hiked the Appalachian Trail the whole thing from Georgia to Maine a couple of oh. years ago and just hearing about that experience it must be amazing but there's no way I would want to do it. It's just not talk- a thing that I oh, want to.
1: With a bunch of people or on her own?
0: On her own but she she met in with different groups and then she had mail stops planned with her mom so that my mother-in-law would, like, post her different packages and supplies and stuff. But, yeah, she hiked the whole thing from March until, I think, late September she was done. It was a lot of walking.
1: Oh, that is a lot of walking. Yeah, see, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to read about someone else doing it. I'm do you quite read, happy. Um,
0: do you read Bill Bryson?
1: Yes, I love him. Yeah. I yeah, because he, a walk writing. in the woods. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: I loved his notes from
0: a uh, big country. <laughs> I loved his book Home. <laughs> Where he lives in this old house in somewhere in England and wrote about um, the different rooms of his house and how they came to be. Because, you know, way, way, way back in history, you really could only heat like one room. So everyone lived in one room and then you had two and then you had three and then you had an upstairs, which was just a huge development. I love his writing. So yeah, what I else do, have you read? I
1: absolutely do. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to download next because somebody told me last weekend that Richard Armitage. because we were talking again about the importance of the narrator and somebody told me that Richard Armitage yes! has recorded Georgette Heyer.
0: Yes, I have all of them. They are do amazing. You? Oh, oh, really? Oh, and okay, they're abridged well, have- and it doesn't matter. They're that oh, good.
1: I can't wait. I know. I can't wait. So yes, Richard. So Tom Hiddleston hasn't done any, has he? Because I be heard him listening to um reading Shakespeare sonnets the other day, and he was amazing. Oh. Uh, so I thought, oh, he must do an audio book. He's got to do an audio book. And I'm sure you could survive listening to him re- reading a sex scene. <laughs> oh,
0: just for a few years, yes. Also, you know what else is remarkably good? Rosamund Pike narrated for Audible, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay, I like her. Yeah, And she, it's, you know, I've read Pride and Prejudice a bunch of times and I've, I've listened to it. It was one of the first eBooks that I read way, way so. back in like, gosh, 2000, maybe, maybe 1999, 2000. I remember being at a summer camp and I had a old, like one of the little Palm pilots and I was reading free open source books on it. I read Pride and Prejudice and Sense and, Sense and Sensibility that way. But she has the this very, very, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like if you listen to the sample, whoosh, you're there. Her voice is just the right level of melodic mm-hmm. with enough of the little dark irony in it. And she, oh, she's lovely good at it.
1: She's, she has a lovely voice. She was a Bond girl, wasn't she?
0: I think
1: she yeah, was. But she was, was also,
0: um, she was Jane in the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. Yes yeah, so yeah. she's already pretty familiar with the material,
1: yeah. oh, well, that's great. Her I've got reading that. of it that's is good.
0: gorgeous. I also listened. To <laughs> we um, I drove the kids up to visit their friends during their spring break because the spring break between our old school system and the new one didn't line up. So we w- went up to Jersey while they were still in school and they had lunch with their friends. And on the way up and on the way back, it was only three and a half four hour drive they were playing video games and listening to things in the backseat. So I had my GPS and then then I had one headphone plugged in and I was listening to uh, Dragonbound by Thea Harrison, which is great on audio. But I had that wonderful experience of the GPS interrupting at the perfect moment. (gasps) He turned to her and said, move to the right lane to get off in one mile. Like this happened like five or six times. And every time I was entirely delighted. I was so happy that every time. And then she said, you need to merge to the right. Oh, okay. (laughs) It was so much fun. (laughs) But Dragonbound is wonderful on audio. And Nelini's books are good in audio too.
1: That's a good tip. I saw Nalini in Germany, so that's great. Yeah. Okay, I shall look at that. Yes, I'm new to this, as I say, but it's very exciting. I'm loving
0: it. Oh, it's fun. It's very fun. I also love find it. that nonfiction is really, really interesting yeah. in, in audio because I can, yeah. you know, wash the dishes or cook something or, or you know, work on stitching while Definitely. listening to a book.
1: Yeah, I've been doing that, putting it on in the kitchen when I'm fiddling around. Yep. Yeah. No, I love it. It's really good.
0: It's weird it's how it place. occupies this one area of your brain, right? Like there's and one can part still of you the cooking. Right, and then your brain is like, "Oh, a book, I'm very happy." And also cooking but listening. This is good. It it's like a very very mm-hmm. mellow state.
1: It is. It's lovely. You, and you listen to it while you're driving as well. I haven't done any long journeys recently well, apart from flying. Um, I didn't really Do you listen to audiobooks while you're flying? I didn't really.
0: I don't. I'm usually reading and listening to classical music yeah. and I have non- noise-canceling headphones. I usually listen to music. Um, because I want to block out as much of what's going on around me yeah. as possible, mm. but I could listen to audiobooks in the on an airplane. That would be good. I have a lot of flying coming up.
1: Mm, you a do a lot of for flying next of month. You Whole do a lot of it. So what are you doing at the RNA? What are you doing? You're presenting on keeping reviews in
0: your back mirror. Yes, I am presenting, and I'm hoping that Sharon Kendrick will do a podcast interview with me. Is she going? Yes, I believe so. I know she's going to be at RWA. So if I don't see her there, I'll see her in California. Yes, because we're flying back together. Yeah. I bumped into her twice in the elevator in, oh. uh, in in at RT. I felt really bad. Like, oh, you're here again. We should just ride the elevator <laughs> for 10 minutes and catch up. <laughs> she's lovely. Every time I do that she presentation, I sell like five copies of Billionaire Playboy Sheik's Virgin Stable Girl. I love that book. I love it she, so much.
1: She is lovely. <laughs> But you know, we nearly got—I nearly got thrown off British Airways because of Sharon. The first time when we flew out to when we flew out to LA together, we went out together, and we sit down on the plane, and she said, "Right." She opened her laptop. She said, "I'm going to read you my opening line," and this was a presents. Oh God, I know. So she doesn't lower her voice, of course, and she reads me the opening line of her presents, which was, oh, and now of course I can't remember what it was, but everybody on the plane. <laughs> so, yeah we're not doing that again oh my gosh <laughs> we haven't sat together going out since because i always afraid that they will bring me back but i need to get there <laughs> no that's she's great funny fun. he's great fun very talented
0: And that is all for this episode. I want to thank Sarah Morgan for joining me on Skype to talk every now and again. If I've had to do something in the evening U.S. time, Sarah Morgan will stay awake by sitting on a hairbrush, as she says, to talk to readers in the U.S. So to be able to coordinate at a time when we're both awake at a proper hour is lovely. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. As I said in the intro, and this, of course, would be the outro, no matter how much my husband doesn't think that's a word. All of the books that we mentioned, along with links to the different conferences, are going to be in the podcast episode. And if you're curious, yes, that is the sound of Zeb, who really, really wants to be Orville's best friend, and Orville is really not here for that. At some point, I'm going to have a professional podcast with no pet sounds, but I really think the pets would object to that. So, hey, I'm sure my dogs are just as involved in my life as your pets are in yours. This podcast is sponsored by Love Swept, publishers of Sugar Daddy by bestselling author Sawyer Bennett. Vengeance is sweet, but seduction is to die for. As the tech mastermind behind the sugar bowl, Beckett North always gets what he wants in business and in bed. And yet for a man who's done every dirty thing imaginable, there's something about the naive, fresh-faced Sila who now works in the company that sparks his hottest fantasies. Because with her, it's not just about sex. He opens up to her in a way that he never has with other girls, but he's got a feeling she is hiding something. The shocking truth could turn them against each other or bind them forever. You can find Sugar Daddy by Sawyer Bennett wherever ebooks are sold. The podcast transcript this month is sponsored by Everything Under the Heavens, book one of Silk and Song by Dana Stabenow. Joanna flees her homicidal stepmother in Kambalak, the storied city of Kublai Khan and sets out on the Silk Road with companions Joffrey and Shasha in search of her fabled grandfather, Marco Polo. You can find everything Under the Heavens on Amazon, Kobo, and iTunes for free and for 99 cents on Barnes & Noble. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can say hey to her at Twitter, at Sassy Outwater. This is the Peat Bog Fairies. This is their newest album, Black House. This track is called Spiders. Now, I know a lot of people have epic spider phobia, and I actually kind of like spiders because they eat the bugs that bite me and give me hives. So, you know, high five to all the spiders or eight high fives per spider. I'll be very busy. If you like this particular kind of spider, and I totally do, you can find this album and this track at Amazon or iTunes or wherever you buy your fine music. If you're a regular listener or you read the transcripts, you've probably heard me mention our Patreon and I will remind you again, we have a Patreon campaign at patreon.com smartbitches smart bitches. You can make a monthly pledge starting with $1 a month and you will be helping me immensely by giving me a little bit of extra push towards commissioning transcripts for the 70 or so episodes that don't have one. You can see all the rewards and the options and our goals at patreon.com slash smartbitches. And I want to thank everyone who has backed the show already. You are marvelous human beings. And as part of the rewards, I have some compliments to give out this episode. So are you ready? Here we go. Jez, you have many undiscovered superpowers and you should probably keep some of them cloaked for the time being. The world can't handle that much awesome. Lee, Your friends think that you are the most loyal and the most fun, and they all told me that. Heather, you make everyone around you have a good day, and you always have a good hair day, and I'm very baffled how you do that. Rebecca, I'm sure you know that your reading tastes are unparalleled, and you make everyone around you feel a little bit happier. Leslie, you are the personification of grace and hilarity, and you have excellent taste in shoes. And Holly... You can make anyone and everyone laugh with delight. Keep doing that. Now, if you're wondering what is going on and why is this happening, if you have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. You will figure out all the answers. If you would like to email me or you have ideas or you have a suggestion or you have feedback, you can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or at sarah at smartbitches, trashybooks.com. Totally your choice, whichever one you remember. I love hearing from you guys. And I was also alerted, this is so cool, to a new review on itunes and i did not realize this you'd think i would know because i review things that much like amazon on itunes the number of reviews that you have for a podcast make that podcast more popular within the internal algorithm so when i happened to be checking the feed to make sure it was working because sometimes rss and i don't get along i realized we had a bunch more reviews thank you so much if you have taken the time to review the podcast at itunes or anywhere else you're so awesome thank you for that And more than anything, thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me. I love doing the show and I love hearing from listeners who want to tell me how much fun it is to listen. I just love doing this so much. So thank you for tuning in and I'll be back next week with more discussion about romance because that's how we do things here. In the meantime, on behalf of Sarah Morgan, everyone here, Orville and Wilbur and Zeb, who are now currently staring at each other under the futon of concealment, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.